Welcome back to the Peed Space. I'm Cynthia Hanna with Palette Life Sciences. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Peed Space on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts to be notified when a new episode is released. Palette Life Sciences, sponsor of this podcast, is committed to bringing educational tools such as the Peed Space for sharing best practices and compelling conversations across a wide variety of pediatric urology and VUR topics. The content of today's episode is solely the opinion of Dr. Adam Rensing, board-certified pediatric urologist at the OU Children's Hospital Medical Center and assistant professor at the University of Oklahoma College of Medicine. In this episode, Dr. Rensing discusses the prevalence of urinary tract infections, how to diagnose them, and when a patient should be referred to a pediatric urologist. So we know that urinary tract infections account for 0.7% of all pediatric office encounters and 5% to 14% of pediatric emergency department visits in the U.S. If not detected and treated promptly, a UTI can lead to renal scarring, hypertension, and even end-stage renal disease. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Rinsing. Thank you for having me. Dr. Rinsing, can you share with our listeners, how do you define a UTI? So it seems like a basic question, but there are a lot of different ideas out there. And the American Academy of Pediatrics is actually really good to us by giving us some great guidelines. They would state that the recovery of any organisms from suprapubic aspirate or at least 50,000 colony forming units per milliliter from a catheterized specimen or at least 100,000 colony forming units per milliliter from a clean catch would be considered significant bacteria. And when we combine bacteria with pyuria found on a urine analysis, that would be what we would define as a UTI or urinary tract infection. So what symptoms may a provider or parent be concerned about in regards to a UTI? Yeah, that's a question we get a lot in our clinic. And I would say for an infant, meaning largely nonverbal, two years old or younger, the fever that we see would be the only real objective finding that could signify there there being a UTI. However, older children that are able to verbalize, we'd look for other signs like dysuria or burning with urination, abdominal or flank pain, and these kind of things to explain, or newfound urinary incontinence even, to explain the cause of their symptoms. What do you consider a fever? Sure. So I would say a fever would be anything at or above 38.0 degrees Celsius. And the higher, the more concerning I would be about the welfare of the child. How prevalent are UTIs in children? And can you also share with us or explain the relationship to urinary tract infections to vesicoureteral reflux? Sure. So urinary tract infections are more prevalent than what you might think. We think the overall prevalence is about 7% in patients that present with a fever in the pediatric setting, but these can vary depending on the demographics of the child, meaning their age and gender. For example, for a child that's under a year of age with a fever of greater than 24 hours duration or a temp greater than 39 degrees Celsius, and especially history of UTI, they could have greater than 25% chance of having a urinary tract infection. Older children, we look at things like female gender or uncircumcised males as increasing the likelihood of the UTI being the source of their fever. Your other question regarding the link between vesicoureteral reflux and UTI, I would just say that it's been borne out in the literature that there is a correlation between febrile urinary tract infections or pyelonephritis and a patient's status as having vesicoureteral reflux or VUR. We know that this link can lead to reflux nephropathy that can lead to long-term health problems for the patient, including hypertension or kidney disease. 
So what would you say are the pertinent findings, especially like in a history and physical exam of a child at the time of UTI? When I take a history of a patient that I'm concerned is having a UTI or more importantly, a febrile UTI, I would like to know, first of all, how high was the temperature? Did anyone take a temperature? And then how long has that temperature been elevated? Like we had mentioned before, a temperature greater than 38.0 degrees Celsius, I think is significant. But if it's greater than 39, that's especially concerning. If the patient is verbal and able to give more information themselves, I'd ask them questions about urinary symptoms like dysuria, frequent frequency, urgency, newfound incontinence. Also, are they having abdominal pain, particularly in the suprapubic region? And also, lastly, are they having tenderness in the flank or what we call costovertebral angle tenderness? Lastly, one other thing I look for on physical exam is any kind of genital lesions, either penile discharge or a foreign body. Sometimes we can see those as contributing to their symptoms and not necessarily due to a UTI. So how do you diagnose a urinary tract infection? This may seem obvious to many in the audience, but a child getting an accurate result can be challenging, but very important. I would say for any child that were suspicious their fever is due to a UTI or urinary tract infection, we should consider a catheterized urine specimen for the non-toilet trained patient. I would also recommend a catheterized urine specimen for the uncircumcised patient that we would be concerned there'd be some contamination from the foreskin in a urine specimen from a clean voided specimen. As we mentioned before, the urinary tract infection is technically defined as both pyuria on a urine analysis, as well as bacteria on a urine culture. And both those combined would define a UTI in this setting. What are the typical antibiotics used in the pediatric setting to treat a UTI? Here, I think a general knowledge of your particular area of practices, bacterial resistance patterns are very helpful. But in general, the United States, typical oral antibiotics that patients are started on include cephalexin or keflex, trimethoprim, sulfamethoxazole, also known as Bactrim. Also, some other medications include amoxicillin or augmentin, known as amoxicillin clavulanic acid. We usually recommend a course of one to two weeks of antibiotics for the patient with a febrile urinary tract infection. And depending on how, quote unquote, sick the patient is, they may require an evaluation in the emergency department or hospital admission. I would base that on whether or not the patient is able to take in oral or PO medications, in which case if they're not or we we don't think that's possible, they may require admission to the hospital for not only IV antibiotics, but also IV fluids. Are there any other tests that you recommend for a patient that's found to have a UTI? Yes. In particular, for a patient that has a febrile urinary tract infection or UTI, we would suspect that patient has pyelonephritis or a kidney infection. And as stated in the AAP guidelines, we'd recommend a renal bladder ultrasound be performed on that patient at some point. The yield on this test is admittedly low, but it's a fairly low cost, good screening test to look for things like normal, healthy, symmetric kidney size, lack of severe kidney scarring, hydronephrosis, kidney stones, or renal abscess, all things that may change the treatment protocol for that patient. And I would say here is where the AAP guidelines has taken a somewhat controversial stance in the management of febrile urinary tract infections. Historically, we were always concerned for genitourinary anatomic anomalies to be an explanation as to why the patient has a febrile urinary tract infection. And the most prevalent of these would be vesicular urinary reflux. And so a lot of these patients with a history of a febrile UTI would get a VCUG to look for 
for vesicular reflux. However, after reviewing the literature and due to some conflicting studies upon the incidence of VUR in the patient with a previous febrile UTI and the value of prophylactic antibiotics, the AP had recommended against a VCG after the initial febrile UTI. They give a caveat to this, stating that if the ultrasound showed an abnormality like hydronephrosis or scarring, then maybe a VCG would be indicated. The problem with this recommendation is a renal bladder ultrasound is a poor predictor as to a patient's VUR status and the degree of VUR. And we've had countless patients with a normal renal bladder ultrasound and severe vesicular reflux and vice versa. So all that to say, I try to just have a conversation with the family. Not all UTIs are created equal. And for a patient with a severe febrile UTI that lands them a hospital admission or a septic episode, I think it's very reasonable for the family to seek a VCG for an explanation and to try to prevent this from happening again. Otherwise, it's really, a, I think, a family-based discussion regarding the risk and benefits of the VCG. Well, when should a patient with a UTI be referred to a pediatric urologist? I know that there's a lot of children's clinics, you know, uh, minute clinics out there and pediatricians, but when, when should they go to a pediatric urologist? I think whenever the patient has a renal bladder ultrasound that shows any abnormalities or any imaging that shows abnormalities in association with febrile UTI, they should be referred to a pediatric urologist for an opinion. And if they haven't had any imaging and the referring provider would like that discussion to be had between the urologist and the patient's family, any patient really with recurrent febrile UTI should be sent for evaluation by a pediatric urologist. Thank you for joining us this week on The Ped Space. Please share this episode with your colleagues while we deliver more pediatric urology-focused content in the coming weeks. For more educational content and upcoming webinars, please visit the Deflux Learning Center on deflux.com. Additionally, you can learn more about our company and our products at palatelifesciences.com. Thank you.